Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang. It is time now for Why It Matters. We're looking at the growing number of investors who are looking to sow the seeds of capital from positive change. Many people often think that the simple act of putting money into investments that seemingly impact ESG is impact investing. Well, they could be wrong. It's important that we know the difference between impact investing because that goes beyond ESG. It involves a stated intent to address and contribute to environmental or societal challenges and measure and monitor progress against impact goals. More than this is explored in the recent release of Tomasic Trust, Essentia and Singapore Management University's report called Scaling Impact in Asia, Achieving Purpose and Profit. That also looks at how we work as a collective to move Southeast Asia's impact ecosystem forward. So we're going to discuss some of the key differences between ESG and impact investing. What are the issues and challenges that stand in the way of Southeast Asia when it comes to impact investing? And helping me out this morning is Don Chan, the CEO for Center for Impact Investing and Practices. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Elliot. So, Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for helping me. Could end up being quite a technical conversation. Let's get through it bit by bit. The Center for Impact Investing and Practices, known as SIP, is a non-profit center based in Singapore, established in June 2022 by Tomasic Trust. Tell us a little bit more about the aim and the mission at SIP. Um, sure. SIP is actually focused on growing the impact investment community and the adoption of impact practices measurements and reporting amongst companies in Asia and beyond. So we're really focused on three things. Um, one, we're building and sharing knowledge about impact strategies and sectors. Um, two, actively bringing together stakeholders in the community. And then we're also working with international organizations such as UNDP and the Global Invest- Impact Investing Network to bring about collective action in the sector. Hmm. So ultimately, it's a conversation about ESG and impact investing. I guess at a glance, what are some of the key differences between these two? Well, ESG is really the foundation. Um, But right now, it's really adopted as a framework that provides standards and performance indicators for companies and investors to monitor and report on their environmental, social, governance, um, performance and practices. And most companies currently use ESG right now for compliance, uh, risk mitigation and measurement and reporting. Now, when you look at impact investing, on the other hand, um, ESG is really already integrated into the organization processes. The difference is that impact investors and impact-oriented businesses go beyond just compliance and reporting. They're looking to generate positive social and or environmental impacts alongside the financial return. So they're looking to contribute to solutions that really help us to achieve the UN 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Um, Impact investors and companies report their progress and they measure the positive as well as the negative impact, whether it's intended or unintended. And the considerations for business decisions are really incorporated alongside the related impacts on the environment and communities. I suppose in some sense, if you're looking at impact investing, and I, and I guess this is where the confusion begins, right? It's beyond just feeling good about yourself. You actually have to be a committed change agent, for lack of a better choice of words. 
Absolutely. Uh, you have to be committed. You, um, we have uh, in our report, we detail the sort of uh, steps that you take. Right. So you not only have to be committed, but you have to measure it. And then also subject yourself to external scrutiny as well. Mm, so the whole issue of accountability definitely in Absolutely. play here. Dawn, let's talk about the study that's titled Scaling Impact in Asia, Achieving Purpose and Profit Study. So how did SIP get involved with such a study and what can you tell us about it? Well, SIP actually worked with Accenture and the Singapore Management University to raise awareness of the good work that's already underway in Asia in terms of impact and also to explain, again, uh, where, what actually impact investing is. And we uncover some of the opportunities and challenges of driving impact here. And there is immense opportunity out in the region. Um, so Accenture did a global study of 26,000 individuals. And over 77% of the youth in Asia really aspire to be part of the green economy. And that's higher than the 50% in EU and US. And a survey by EEIU and RBC showed that 86% of millennials and Gen Z in Singapore and China are confident they can contribute to social issues via investing. Yet when you look at the sectors, many of them are still in early stages of uh, development. And there's a great need for environmental solutions and models that contribute towards equitable growth actually for all individuals. Interesting, especially the part where you talked about how Gen Z is confident that they're going to be able to make change. Would you say that, you know, given the environment where we have so much access to information, that is really going to change and create so much more accountability where the investing sphere is concerned, especially with the emergence of Gen Z? No, absolutely. And you can see this. Um, 64% of global consumers are attracted to company brands that um, actually communicate their purpose. And we also see this, and this applies not only to purchasing decisions, but also to where people decide which company to work for mm. and whether they will stay with the company. Mm. And yeah. I may be grasping at straws here, but is there any chance that this is also accelerated because of COVID-19. And what I mean by that is, you know, people looking at the great resignation, really questioning decisions, looking at the environment whilst spending that time in isolation? Well, there is some of that. But we also see um, that the businesses have actually benefited from the increased digitization that has actually happened Mm. during COVID. Mm. So um, you can see this in examples that we've also highlighted in the report. For example, Aruna, which is a fisheries e-commerce business in Indonesia, they actually developed a digital auction platform to facilitate fair trade between fishermen and buyers. And it really helped to improve their livelihoods by eliminating the sort of middleman along the, the supply chain and increase the profit margins for fishermen. And this grew, this business absolutely grew um, throughout COVID. A lot of people often think, and, and I guess this kind of dials things back a little bit, people often think mm-hmm. that simple act of putting money into investments that seemingly impact ESGs is some form of impact investing. I mean, why or how did this perception arise? How is it we have this misunderstanding? I think it was a, um, a, co- a difference in or an understanding of the language that's being used. Mm, Um, So when you think about the principles of ESG, um, the definition and how people define that is actually quite different. Mm. Some people do think about ESG at the very basic of it um, and how it actually evolved was to solve environmental and social um, problems. But over the years, it it sort of um, got mixed up alongside the sort of compliance and reporting regulations um, that have been put into place. So many of the funds, and you've seen this in the recent um, greenwashing scandals and and, uh, 
reclassification of ESG funds, started to use the term ESG for products, um, investment products, that simply, um, how should I put it, met a particular group of standards or had uh, an exclusion list, not really contributing to solutions, which some of the investors might want. Ah, the keyword there being contributing to solutions. Okay. Don, did anything else from this study stand out for you? Any other highlights in particular you'd like to share? I think, you know, we encourage um, people to, to listen to the stories and the case mm-hmm. studies that we highlighted. And we'll be yeah. doing more of these. Um, but really to, to understand that it's already happening on the ground in Asia. Mm-hmm. So we talked about ABC Impact, um, which is an equity fund uh, based in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And they invested in Kim Dental in Vietnam to really boost healthcare outcomes. Mm-hmm. But then there was JAPSA, which is an agri uh, business in Asia. And it really has, it's a mainstream business, but it's dedicated to feeding over um, 40% of the world's population with essential protein. And they incorporate uh, impact um, throughout their entire um, assessment of how their business uh, actually works, right? So life cycle assessments in terms of environmental um, considerations and how they work with the suppliers. So it's really to listen to those stories. Um, and I suppose the other thing is also to highlight what we actually need um, to build out this uh, further community out in Asia. I'm on the line this morning with Don Chan, who's the CEO for the Centre for Impact Investing and Practices. Don, let's talk about growing robust impact ecosystem. Who or what are some of the critical actors and actions that are needed to grow a robust impact ecosystem in the impact investing front? I mean, areas that could potentially grow. Well, let's talk about what what we need first. Okay. Um, I think, first of all, uh, you highlighted um, um, one of the first uh, things, uh, which is really we need to talk about developing an impact proficiency mm. or a common lexicon so that we understand you know, what each other is talking about. And this includes things like harmonized standards and metrics for impact so that everyone is measuring on the same basis and talking about the same thing. Okay. Then the second thing we need is really um, upskilling our workforce um, to actually adopt these practices and... Um, in terms of both in the companies as well as for investors, so that we will not lag behind um, the practices and the approaches which are already happening in the US and Europe. So, yeah, so third, we, we talk about enhancing the data quality and infrastructure um, to support the collect, collection and exchange of impact data, as well as having industry-wide baseline and benchmarks to provide visibility and understanding of impact outcomes. And the SIP is, is working on some research to, on this particular front. And lastly, we talk about enhancing the capital flow. And this means raising awareness about investors, about how they can do impact investing, and having innovative financial instruments and, uh, to spur innovation and support impact ventures to scale. Don, from that, if I were to draw reference or to draw focus on Southeast Asia, what's your opinion mm. of where we are at? I mean, what kind of challenges are in our way in terms of, you know, ensuring that we really go forward in the right way when it comes to impact investing? Well, we're at the early stages, but I mm. would just uh, kind of switch it around and say that that also means there's a huge opportunity mm-hmm. out here. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we have 40% of the world's population is out in Asia. Right. Um, you're talking about, um, you know, we've got 340 smallholder farmers um, out here. The environmental solutions which are required in the ground in terms of whether it's from recycling to carbon dioxide emissions, yeah. um, huge opportunity sets that we're talking about. Um, and many businesses in Asia actually have an 
history of active involvement in the community and are looking to solve the problems in the community. So you already see a cultural sort of uh, motivation that's historically there, even though they may not be conversing with a vocabulary of impact factors, which was, to be fair, developed largely in the US and Europe. So actually, Asia offers a unique opportunity to deliver impact at scale, and the market for impact is actually large and growing. So when you talk about empowering the hundreds and millions of micro, small and medium enterprises, um, to developing a roadmap for just climate transition, or providing goods and services to the growing population of first-time consumers, the potential is actually quite large. Mm. What we do need is really to just unlock the impact uh, potential, is just to collect some of the data mm-hmm. and um, provide more innovative financing solutions. Right. I suppose for any organization that's looking at their impact journey, would you say then it's really about asking the right questions about you know whatever the footprint that you're leaving behind? Um, it's asking the right questions. It's putting in place the practices mm. to measure um, mm-hmm. your your impact and to have a stated intention really up front. If you're looking to solve a problem, you know, um, have a very thorough look at what is that whole theory of change that you're putting in place and measure your impact. I like the way you put that. Don Chan, the CEO for Centre for Impact Investing and Practices on the line with me. Don, I appreciate your time this morning. You take care. Have a great day ahead. Yeah. Thank you so much, Elliot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.